Yo, and welcome back. Season two of pre-gaming the SEC. Bring it back. Bring it back. Like the great 90s philosopher, the Backstreet Boys said, oh my God, we're back again. They let us do it for year two. Jacob Hester, Chris Doring, the big Terp here with you. CD, big Terp, let's ride. Can't what's wait sure? to get this what, started. What's sure if we're going to get back for a second season, but uh, <laughs> at the last moment, we got a stay of execution and we'll, uh, we'll at least be around kick things off here week one we uh we look we missed week zero because there was only one sec team that actually played so we're not going to do a deep dive in what happened in hawaii but just know we love our guy clark lee and clark lee since we're going to be on youtube this year this one's for you i'm putting on the old neck roll since you were a fullback at vanderbilt this is only for you, Clark Lee. It's hey. showing respect to you going out there and dominating the Rainbow Warriors. Hester, but didn't didn't you feel like that the Vanderbilt team personality reflected Clark, Clark Lee in that greediness you talked about? Like yes. they they were resilient. They got down early. They made mistakes. They didn't hang their head. They ran the football really well, particularly making it a point of emphasis in the in the beginning of the third quarter. So I I thought the thing that I took away the most in addition to getting a win and a road and, and having to go out there and, and battle some of the distractions was the fact that they talked an awful lot in Atlanta, like their head coach. And in week one, at least they played very much like the personality of their head coach. They did. I love the way they played, even getting down seven to nothing. They went out there, they didn't panic and they steamrolled Hawaii on the road. And after starting last season, losing to East Tennessee state, you will take that win. It looked like a different football team. Mike Wright is an athlete back there. He gives you a different chance to win than other quarterbacks you've had in the past. So we wanted to break the neck roll out for the former fullback. Well, not former. You're always a fullback if you're one forever. If you got your hand in the ground, eye formation, I'm never going to forget you, Clark Lee. And I'm never going to forget what you did in week one there, Vanderbilt. Let's rock. Where was that? Uh, was that one of your neck rolls from like uh, JV football or something? Oh, yeah. This one, this one was uh, deep. This one was deep in the closet. Yeah, I mean, this one was falling apart. So it's got black electrical tape all over it. That way the foam doesn't just, you know, disintegrate. The thing that I love about you and, and Big Turp, you know this about Hess and myself, is that we are very similar in so many different ways. And there are so many different pieces of my athletic career and particularly football like I can go in there and have my thigh pads from when I played for the Steelers. The thigh pads, when you pull the little plastic out of the actual pads, so all you had was the little shield in there to give that's you right. that ribbed look. Everybody loves the that females love the rib look, man. That's what we're going for, you know. So I uh, I still got that in there. I got my turtleneck that I I cut the sleeves off of to wear in the winter, so it gave me oh, a yeah. little warmth at the top, but the sleeves still out and the, the snow in Pittsburgh. So I, I'm with you, man. We we collect and retained all of yeah. that gear from over the yeah. years. And, and you've we, got we know you got the, the Sugar Bowl jockstrap. Yeah. 95 Sugar go. Bowl jockstrap. There you yeah. go. It's that a thing, thing of beauty. Will not be touched. It's under glass. And if, you know, if, it, <laughs> if it touches the air, it may disintegrate into uh, dust at this point. Oh, I love that. And of course, Walk-On's Sports Bistro is back with us for year number two as well. If you're in an SEC city, they're either already in your city or they are coming very, very soon. Walk-ons.com is the website to check out those locations. All right, Victor, where's ahead. our uh, where's our liquor sponsor? I mean, this we're dude, I've, I've this told us it's got to be Coors. It's got to be Coors. Like. Yeah, I mean, I I know we're kind of like cutting off other potential sponsors, but look, I mean, you know, I don't keep it too far from my person. I've got the cups. Cold ready Coors to go. Light. I yeah, got a little I got cold Coors, Coors, Coors Light. Coors Light. Like, the old silver bullet. 
I am working on it. We've got walk-ons. If we can get Coors Light as well, I mean, what a perfect re- – I mean, it just meets all the standards that we've got. So, it's coming, CD. That, I promise. we got to get those two and then, like, a really good protein powder. You know, get something <laughs> that we can <laughs> promote there on the good side of things, too. Oh, hey, look, I, you know T-Bob and I in the mornings, we do 30 push-ups every break, and now we stand for the full three hours. Do you really? Yeah, we've been doing that for about five you, months, CD. So, I mean, you know what I'm they gonna... say. Sitting's the new smoking. <laughs> a lot of people say that <laughs> they say that a lot of people say it. a lot of people say that okay well when you do six hours of radio a day like you at least got to stand for three of them yes. so i've been doing at least half of it hadn't quite off campus hadn't quite gotten me to stand for the last three hours i like it dude the push-ups so. too man you have you seen a difference you feel like you're getting through the 30 easier now oh yeah oh yeah the nice. other day you know i missed I had to take my son to school. Katie was out of town, so I had to take the boys to school. So I missed the first four segments of the show. I was going to be late, and so I had to look. I had to knock out 120 because you got to make mm. up for them. Now, 117, 118, 119, and 120 were a little wobbly. I didn't know if it was going to get done, but we found a way. All right. I like you know, it. Hey, too gritty to be pretty, CD. We had to find a way. Well, you look pretty tonight, dude. Oh, right, well, thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Turn up looking good for week one. All right. Speaking of week one, again, respect week zero, Vanderbilt, big win. There's some games that we'll get to some quick hitters at the end. Big Terp's going to kind of throw them out there. We'll give you some thoughts, but we have five games that we want to break down here on the first episode of season two of pregaming the SEC. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into Mississippi State and Memphis. I want to give you my Mississippi State take before we get to the actual game. I believe Mississippi State is the most under-talked-about team in the SEC heading into this season. Not to say they're the most underrated or they're going to go out there and win the West. I think they're the most under-talked-about and undervalued team in the entire SEC. They returned 17 starters, blind resume. They had the same conference record as Texas A&M. They beat Texas A&M in the head-to-head. And you know what else gets lost as well, C.D.? they beat a damn good NC State team. Mm-hmm. That NC State team was 9-3 and three and beat Clemson. Mississippi State actually beat them by two touchdowns in the second week of the season last year. Now, they didn't take that into the next week in the game that we're about to talk about, Mississippi State-Memphis. They dropped that game, so they got to be more consistent. But when you return 17 starters, nine on defense, eight on offense, and the starter at quarterback is Will Rogers, who threw for 4,800 yards a year ago, the schedule's probably too difficult for them to make a major move, but I think this is an improved football team that every Saturday you better be damn ready to play the Bulldogs. It's funny that you mentioned the Mississippi State team as being under-talked about because not only is their team being under-talked about, but that one individual you mentioned, Will Rogers, is perhaps the most successful, definitely the most tenured starting quarterback in the conference without anybody talking about him. In fact, if you were to rank if most people ranked what they thought of the potential starting quarterbacks this year from one to 14, very few nine of 10 would leave him out of the top five. But in my book, he's one of the top five in this conference. You talked about the numbers he put up. They got better as the year went on last year, developing a little more continuity with those young receivers feeling comfortable with the the air raid offense and what they're, they're supposed to be reading in certain defensive looks. So I, I really believe that that this team is a big mover. And I know you mentioned the schedule. It is very challenging. Obviously, playing in the West is a challenge in and of itself. Drawing Kentucky from the East is a challenge as well, having to go to Lexington. But I believe that Mississippi State 
is one of the biggest movers from last year to this year in terms of total wins when it's all said and done. Yeah, they they really didn't get any favors from the from the league office here at Kentucky and Georgia in their games as far as East opponents. And we know what the West is. You're at LSU, you're at Kentucky, as you mentioned, you're at Alabama, and you're at Ole Miss to finish the season. So I think the on-the-play portion of this is going to be better, but I'm just looking at the record. I mean, they were 7-6 and six a year ago. They'll have to beat some of those teams that maybe right now currently we don't have them beating, but I tell you what, you better be ready for them because on any given Saturday, I truly think they have the team that can beat any team on their schedule. Yes, I know who's on their schedule, but just look at who they have. Not favoring them in every game by any means, but it is a team that you better circle on your schedule and not just assume with it being Mississippi State. So let's look at this Memphis game. Let's just call it like it is, at least from my angle here. You got to win. Memphis returns 13 starters from a six-win football team. Like, you're at home. Like, go win that game. Well, You beat NC State last year, and then you come and you lose to Memphis on the road. You lost 31 to 29. Like, well, no, remember that game, though. That game. They, they turned yeah. the ball over yes. late. There were a penalty on a uh, – you know, there was a uh, – it should have been a penalty on a punt return yes. that uh, Memphis took back to the house. So, as you're an ascending football team, as you're becoming a more veteran team, which they certainly are um, – you have to keep from giving games away, particularly against teams that you're more talented with, talented than like mm -hmm. Mississippi State is with, with Memphis. I agree with you there. But, hey, just like I heard all offseason long about Nebraska being the best 3-9 and nine team of all time, bad teams find ways to lose games. True. Good teams find a way to win a game. So go win those type of games. Bad calls, and it was. I mean, we talked about it last year on the podcast. You got to go find a way to win that game. You got to go on the road week two to beat Arizona. You got to beat Bowling Green. You have to beat East Tennessee State at the end of the year. You have to win those games if you're Mississippi State because you're a better football team than those teams. And so go win those, beat a couple teams that maybe right now we don't have you favored over. And I think they can get to that point where we're talking about because eight and four for that team heading into a bowl game, I think would be massive. So that game into the story for me, just take care of business, be the better team. You're the better team. Show it on Saturday. Not asking you to make a pick, but when you hear 16, what do you think? Too big, too small, just right. What do you think? I think it's a lot. It's a lot of points, especially in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Mississippi State obviously has a huge home field advantage. It's different with them playing in Starkville than it is on the road. But to give up two-plus touchdowns, I mean, that, that, that seems like a lot in week one. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, just go get a dub. Go get a dub. That, that point spread for a, a team in Memphis that beat you a year ago. You do have the advantage of being at home. Seems kind of big, exactly like uh, CD said, week one. So go win the game. Just find a way to win the game. I like the Bulldogs in that one. All right, this game that we're going to talk about next, LSU, Florida State, it's in New Orleans. A lot of unknown. A lot of unknown for the Tigers. 16 players through the transfer portal. We saw Florida State play Duquesne. Yes, Duquesne's in the FCS, a very small school. Beat Ohio last year, so they beat an FBS team. They got housed by TCU in the opener last year. Get housed by Florida State this year. Hard to kind of watch that tape and take anything from it. We know the names, though, at Florida State. Like, we've seen Jordan Travis for multiple years now. LSU still is not named as starting quarterback. We're sitting here. We are recording what this do you on think? Wednesday night. You're the LSU insider here. I know. You've seen practices. CD, I've, I've, I've tried, man. And the practices that I've seen, it's truly been, you know, Daniel's here, Nuss here, Nuss here, Daniel's there. But, but are we talking about 
man, we ha- we can't name a starter yet because the play, the level of play has been so high. Or is it like, hey, we got a lot of inconsistencies one day to the next. One guy's looking great. The next he's yeah. not. These, is it wh- which of those dynamics exists right now? So I sat with Matt Flynn at the scrimmage. They had a former players day and all the players were sitting in the stands. I said, Matt, let's go to the press box because I wanted to sit and watch the practice with him and him tell me you know, the breakdown of the, of the quarterbacks, what the coverage was, who got the ball out of their hand, you know, where it was supposed to go. And both quarterbacks did extremely well, but he was impressed with Nussmeyer. He was impressed with how fast he recognized coverages, but it is hard to deny Jaden Daniels and what he can do with his legs. So both quarterbacks that day, at least they had a massive day. They were both kind of on it that day. And it was a day where Miles had already retired. Miles Brennan retired from football, and it was the first scrimmage that they had when it was just them two. So they both raised their level of play. If I'm sitting here and I'm guessing, maybe you go with the older Jaden Daniels. He's got 30 starts in his career. Ness has yet to have a start. Yeah, I fully expect CD both to play, though. I yeah, really I, do. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing with the contrast in styles. Of course, uh, the Steve Spurrier's uh, guy says that. Yeah, what uh, what Jaden Daniels brings you with his athleticism. Um, this was a guy that went out and was recruited by the new coaching staff. You know, Garrett Nussmeyer, as much as the new staff may love him, was on the roster and they chose to go get another quarterback, which a lot of teams do right now. So right. if it's dead even, I have to imagine, like you said, they would go with perhaps Jaden Daniels because of that factor and the athleticism and what he can give you with his legs. But I, I agree. I think you see both of them in the first game. And if they can each find ways to contribute, and they can help you win a football game, let's go do it. Yeah, when you go back in, you watch some Florida State tape against Duquesne. If you tried to take anything, now the running backs did a fantastic job. I mean, they had one back broke 18 tackles, I think, in the game. The Florida State offensive line, if we're going to switch sides of the ball for LSU, because we know offensively, like, it's all going to kind of come down to quarterback play for LSU. The receiver room is as talented as you'll find anywhere in the SEC. They've got weapons at running back. Although John Emery's going to be out, Noah Kane's played a lot of football at Penn State. They've got guys in that place. The story to me is going to be LSU's defensive line against Florida State's offensive line. Florida State's offensive line graded out extremely poor on pro football focus against Duquesne. You look back there, the running backs did the bulk of that work. All those 300-yard rushers, that was yeah. running back. The offensive line, if they play like that, LSU's biggest strength on defense is that front four. That's going to be the story of the game. If you win those jobs that you're supposed to, that can win you that game. You are hitting reset if you're LSU. You still got more Jimmys and Joes than Florida State has. Florida State is a team that is still trying to figure it out. I mean, you know, you're right there. You see them closely. They lost to Jacksonville State a year ago. Like, they are still in that transition. Mike Norvell is trying to get them there, but they're not uh, there yet. You got to go win that game, Brian Kelly's starting off his tenure in the Superdome, a place LSU has a lot of success. You still have advantages. I don't think there's a bigger debut. You know, I know there's only two new teams, new, new, two new coaches in our, our conference this year. Yeah. But I, I think even of all the games with returning coaches, there may be the most anticipation, expectation, and pressure for Brian Kelly to win this one for the reasons you mentioned, playing in, in, in New Orleans. You've talked to me about being what it means to be a kid from Louisiana and growing up there and playing in that building as a yeah. high school player or getting a chance like we got to watch the the 2019 national championship game where they beat Clemson there like I I saw that atmosphere firsthand it'll be raucous and if you lose to a team that you're you're better than uh, Florida State great by name as you kind of alluded to but not necessarily 
built like FSU teams that we may remember from the past. You got to go out and win this football game. So I, I, I think there's a, if there's ever a pressure filled game for a, a first game coach at a, yeah. a school in the tenure, it's this one. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you're leaving a place in Notre Dame. You're the winningest coach there. Only the second coach to leave on his own accord. You either get fired or retired from Notre Dame. So only the right. second guy to do so. He came here to accept a challenge, and here it is. Week By the way, one. I go. respect it. I, 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 from an outsider's perspective, I respect what he did. I've mentioned it before. There's some that, that run away from the fire. This dude ran into the fire, wanted all that smoke <laughs> in, the, in the SEC West. We'll see how he's able yep. to do with some of those athletes that I think are better than it, the, the, the whole compilation of athletes yep. on, on the roster, better than what he's ever been able to deal with before. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, like I mentioned, the defensive line and the receiver room from LSU. You have the advantage. Go show me why we think you are so good, why you have so many players that we think can play on Sundays. And so that game to me, I like LSU. LSU needs to go win that game. LSU has advantages in that game. Don't show up like you did week one, sluggish against UCLA a year ago. You got punched in the mouth. They were the aggressor. You never counterpunched, and you left Pasadena 0-1. Can't have that happen in the Superdome this year. All right, we talked about Brian Kelly and pressure. I think there's pressure in Fayetteville for both teams, and I don't mean that because, like, if they lose, like, it's going to be, like, blow it up. But stay with me here. We're going to Fayetteville. We're talking Arkansas and Cincinnati. Arkansas surprised a lot of us and won nine games a year ago. They've got a team from the group of five that made a college football playoff coming into their building. They had the same aspirations to kind of do what they did a year ago. Schedule's brutal. Might be the toughest schedule in the country. If they want to kind of change the narrative of Arkansas football and say, you know, Arkansas football wasn't just a flash in the pan. Look, we got a playoff team. I don't care who it is. We got a playoff team coming into our place and we're going to go out there. We're going to be a ranked opponent. We're going to start this season off right because they've got this game and then BYU in the middle of their slate that are kind of tricky, right? You're going to be expected to win, but you're playing a very good team. So pressure as far as go show that you're there. Go show that you're continuing those steps. And then if you're Cincinnati, pressure to show that you weren't a one-hit wonder. Show that you can go on the road to a team that a lot of people, when we were at SEC Media Day, CD, said is maybe the third best team in the SEC. So if you're Luke Fickle, you go take your team over to Fayetteville and you go show why you made the CFP and why you're not that far away from making it again. That one's highly intriguing to me. You got two teams that have pressure to kind of prove that they belong in being in those conversations. Uh, it's a, uh, to me, I think Arkansas, you, you said that there were some people in Atlanta that's, that thought that they were the third best team. It's amazing how polar opposite people's opinions can be because I honestly believe that Arkansas takes a step back this year. I think they overachieved in the first two years of Sam Pittman's tenure in, in Fayetteville. I love him. I love the culture they've created. But when you lose the production of Traylon Burks, a do-it-all guy like, like Traylon Burks did for that offense last year, and I think he made K.J. Jefferson look better in a lot of different jump ball circumstances that other receivers may not have the size or timing or hand strength to go up and get. Uh, I also think you lose uh, Hayden Henry and Grant Morgan, two of your top three tacklers from last year. And oh, yeah. by the way, those three guys are, are some of your biggest leaders in the locker room. I want to know where the void is filled when it comes to the production and the leadership of those three amongst some of the others that they lost. And, and oh, by the way, you start out, as you mentioned, with a Cincinnati team that feels pretty good about themselves, that are very well coached. And I know they're probably 
what I just talked about for Arkansas magnified by three when it comes to the production that they lost and leadership that they lost. But I, I think they win this football game in a hard-fought battle, but I don't think that they're as highly valued at the end of the season as a lot of people are saying they are right now. And that's no disrespect because I love, I love their program. I love the story. I love everything about Sam Pittman's team. No, it's actually a great point that you make about losing some of that linebacker room. You still have Bumper Pool, who's in his, you know, gosh, what, 12th season in the SEC. You still have Bumper Pool, but you do only return four starters on that defense. That defense was a big reason why you won nine games a year ago. Yes, it was K.J. Jefferson. Yes, it was Burks at receiver. But that defense, I mean, they wanted to tackle. That was my narrative for them last year. In a day and age that nobody wants to tackle – they wanted to tackle. They wanted to hit you. They wanted to be physical. Barry Odom had that side of the ball playing with their hair on fire all season long, but also being in the right spots, and that's hard to do. So that's a great point, only returning those four stars. Big Turf, do we have a line on the Cincinnati-Arkansas game? I think it was at six and a half, seven, kind of went back and forth. Yeah, sticking at six and a half right now, and then uh, over under 52. Thinking about that hook. Uh, if I, there might be, there might be a potential to, uh, you know, buy some more seven set. Like if I can get Cincinnati at seven, cause Arkansas, I think is going to win the game, but if I can get seven, I don't hate that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know what to expect from Cincinnati. So what that that's, I would lean Arkansas to win six and a half is a lot of points. Uh, but remember, Ryan, everybody, we're putting our best bets out that usually gets out what Friday evening or, or Monday or Saturday morning, depending depends on, on what Saturday, kind of night, depends on what kind of night CD has on Friday, you know, there we, I did my schedule this week is ridiculous. Starting with the Thursday night games and then the Friday night game or preview show and Saturday call down in Columbia, the South Carolina, Georgia state game, and then back Sunday night for the LSU FSU game and the Monday morning show. Like it's a, it's a lot. I'm not complaining, but the preparation for this week has been mighty. So I'm uh I am not going to be doing much on Friday night. I can promise you that. Okay, well, good. We'll have those best bets out for you. All right, let's go UGA, Oregon, because I'm saving the game I'm most excited about for last, and you've probably already figured that one out. So let's go UGA. Let's go Oregon. This game is basically a home game for the Bulldogs. I've played Georgia in Atlanta. Yes, it's a home game. They're going to be loud. They're going to be proud. They're going to celebrate that championship team from a year ago this one is intriguing to me storylines all over the place you've got Bo Nix quarterback there for the Oregon Ducks obviously Bo Nix spent a lot of time in Auburn he's played Georgia every year of his career he knows that team that team knows him Dan Lanning comes over from Georgia was the defensive coordinator now the head coach at Oregon Oregon returns 15 starters from a 10-win team a year ago Georgia only returns 10 starters from their national championship team, had 15 players drafted in the NFL draft. That is a record. Three players on defense return. Now, Jalen Carr is one of them. That will go a very long way. Stetson Bennett, the only quarterback that has a national championship to his name in college football. Georgia wins this game. But 17 points to me, CD, feels like a lot with everything Oregon has coming back. And I know we can point to the Utah games from a year ago and say, look, Utah pushed them around. That's how Georgia plays. Georgia's going to be the bully. I think they are going to be a bully. But stay with me because I think, and, and you, you know what I'm about to say, like you were a young football player. Even if you're talented, when you're a young football player, it's a little slow. It's not as quick as it's going to be in three weeks, in six weeks, certainly in 10 weeks. This being the opening game, Oregon has every one of their offensive linemen and their tight end coming back. 
They lost their running backs to Florida State and USC. I understand that. But their offensive line comes back. I think that gives them some experience to be able to handle a very talented Georgia front to at least give them a chance, an opportunity. This one feels like it's going to stay close. Georgia's talent wins out in the end. It's hard for me to get to 17 points, though, just because of the experience. I mean, 15 starters is 15 starters. Bo Nix has played a lot of football in his career. And I think Dan Lanning, knowing the personnel of Georgia, goes a long way for me. Georgia wins. Georgia wins the game. But I think it stays close for a while. There's a couple of things. I agree with you. I think Georgia wins the game. But there's a couple of things that I think are, are perhaps bigger than the actual outcome of the game itself. And that's the success or lack thereof that Dan Lanning has in the game plan that he puts together for how you stop Stetson Bennett in the offense and how you attack yeah. that defense, knowing it's about the same thing that he's probably going to be running, knowing <laughs> the inner workings of, of Kirby Smart's mind yeah. and, and what goes on there. So if he has success, even if they don't win the game, that's a that's a bad thing for Georgia because other team, other teams, other coordinators are going to be able to take from what Dan Lanning did and great put point. that together for the future. So Georgia needs to go out there and assert themselves. They need to win and they need to win decisively. The other thing I want to see is what's the personality of this offense going to be, particularly early in the season where, as you talked about, you lose a lot of production, you lose a lot of leadership. Guys are going to get up to speed, but how quickly can they do so? You can't lean on that, that unit the way you did last year. So are you going to be more aggressive on offense? Are you going to allow Stetson Bennett to throw the ball more? Anybody that watched the Georgia spring game knows that they did a lot of that. Now, I don't know if that was just to try to, to work on those things or because that's who they felt like they needed to be. But I think we could tell a lot in this game about what the personality of the Georgia offense is going to be and the capabilities of what Stetson Bennett yeah. can do at the quarterback position this year in an expanded role. Yeah, the offense is going to be names you know, like familiar faces, like, you know, Kendall Milton at running back. Like, we know him. Like, we've seen him play, but he wasn't the star a year ago. We know Stetson Bennett. Jermaine Burton's now in Tuscaloosa, right? So a couple of new receivers. We know you've got the best tight end room in the country. I mean, the tight end room is ridiculous. And so we know that about Georgia. Who's going to step up at receiver? Who's going to be RB1? Because I think that, you know, McIntosh and, and Kendall Milton, one of those guys, they step up, they'll be RB1. Then the other guy will kind of supplement like Georgia has done so many times in the past. But again, faces we know, but we need to see them kind of raise up to a level of play that they haven't yet shown in college football. So that's an interesting game. It's a game, again, that I do think Georgia's going to win, but that experience of Oregon. And also, I remember Oregon going on the road, Columbus, Ohio, last year and smacking Ohio State right in the mouth. I Without one of their Ohio best State players, wasn't ready. Too. Yeah, Ohio State was not ready. I mean, Oregon's linebacker room is the real deal. Like, it's one of the best in the country. So running the football and just pushing them around is not a given. So Stetson's going to have to make some plays in this one. And I'll say this too. What a great compliment to Dan Lanning, a first-time head coach. Oregon loses Mario Cristobal, a well-established head coach in college football, and people aren't really discounting that as much because of how confident they yeah. seem to be in Dan Lanning, you know? No, that's actually a, a great point. This is his first time as a head coach in a place Oregon's like Oregon. Oregon's 11th ranked in the in, in one of the polls, I think. Oregon is 11th in the AP poll. Then when you look in the coaches' poll, they are 12th. So, yeah, so I mean, I mean, right that, there. that's a pretty good compliment to Dan Lanning yeah. and how these coaches feel like his transition into being a head coach is going to be. I agree. I totally agree. I think Dan Lanning was a rising star, obviously, what he did with that defense a year ago. So, and he's got a defense 
in Oregon that returns, as I mentioned, seven starters. And you look at No Sewell's right there in the middle of that defense, one of the best linebackers in the country. Going to be a fascinating matchup there in Atlanta. All right, the game that I am looking forward to more than any game this weekend, Utah Utes, the Pac-12 champion, traveling to Gainesville, Florida, to take on CD's Florida Gators, Billy Napier's first game as the head coach. Did you did you say this for last for me or because that's the one you're most excited about this weekend? Uh, a little of both, but mostly because I'm most excited about it. I, I truly am. Utah has to win this game. They oh, have it- to win this game. Utah's number seven in the country. Utah won the Pac-12. Utah has to go to a Florida team that is trying to look reset, just like LSU kind of hit reset new coach, a lot of transfers in trying to figure out who they are. They've got talent because they're Florida, but Utah can't come across the country and lose to an unranked sec team. The narratives that that will start, right? Your PAC 12 champion couldn't go beat an unranked sec team. Your best chance at the college football playoff couldn't go beat an unranked sec team. Utah has to win this game for their sake because if they don't then that's not only a loss for them cd that's a loss for the pac-12 it's that's exactly what i was going to say this is a huge game think about the two teams we just talked about oregon and utah two of the highest ranked teams in that conference and we know the work that's done this time of year reflects on the conferences as we get into late october and early november as we're comparing teams in the college football playoff rankings this can go a long way for that entire conference if they're able to win they have to win this one as you talked about because of how highly ranked they are because of the talk about them being a college football playoff uh favorite in a lot of people's mind because of cam rising because of 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 kyle whittingham they have all the pieces there and they could put themselves squarely in that conversation with the win going to the swamp it's it's not the it's not the gator teams that we've seen in the past but it's still going to be a challenge seven o'clock is still very hot here Seven o'clock is still very humid here. It's yeah. going to be a game that they're going to be walking into a hornet's nest in terms of the the energy as Billy Napier uh, begins his career here. The fans have been asked to come out, show up early, be loud. So it's going to be a, a unique environment for Utah. But I think if you look at roster to roster and Florida fans and maybe SEC fans in general would kill me for saying this, Utah is a better, more talented football team right now. Billy Napier is going to be building it, but right now, if you compare one to the other, Utah has the better overall talent than Florida does, which sounds blasphemous in a lot of people's minds. It probably does, but just look at it. I mean, Thomas at running back had almost 1,200 yards a year ago, five and a half yards per carry for Utah, 21, 21 touchdowns. Cam Rising coming back, he had such a I mean, just efficient year. I mean, 64% completion percentage, 2,500 yards, 21 touchdowns, only five interceptions. You've got, I think it was four of their five top receivers coming back from that team that almost won the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. I mean, they were playing a running back at corner against Ohio State because of injuries and still almost found a way to win that one. Utah is a very solid team. They return 15 starters eight on offense, seven on defense. It's going to be a tough game for the Gators. And if the Gators can get this victory, talking about springboarding your career, if you're Billy Napier, and you look, you've got Jimmys and Joes. You have Anthony Richardson, who is an absolute freak. He can take over a game. Utah's got the pressure. Yeah, You're playing with house money. And Billy Napier's famous quote is, you know, scared money don't make money. So let's see what he has ready in the game plan. But you're playing with the house money. This is a huge game 
for Florida because if you look at their September schedule, you, it doesn't get much easier after this. Kentucky comes to town next week. You got to go to Knoxville late in the month. Like this is a, this is a game you could put a little equity in the bank now, obviously because you're beating a top 10 team, but because you're going to be, whether you win or lose, there's going to be a bit of a hangover. Utah's going to leave an impression. You know Kyle Whittingham teams mm-hmm. are going to be physical. It's going to be challenging to come back and play another physical game next week against Kentucky. So if you can find a way to win this game and get one in the win column, that's going to go a long way because it does not get any easier as September rolls on. Whoever sells cold tubs in the city of Gainesville, if there's not someone, CD, you should go ahead and spend some of that money and, and invest in it. Utah, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Yeah. Three of the first four games. Like, get the cold tubs ready. Angel Maker extra did time not in there. do them any favors whatsoever. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just I want to say this one thing because I don't feel like we've talked about Florida enough here. This team is going to go as far as Anthony Richardson can carry them, right? I, I feel good about the top-tier talent at the, in, in terms of the starters. I think they're developing a little bit of depth from what I've seen and what I can tell. Uh, but I think this is a, a a team that is going to go as far as their quarterback, who, as you talked about, looks the part, has everything you could ever ask for, but lacks consistency in the past. That C word is what I'm looking for, consistency mm-hmm. in making the easy throws. You make some great throws, make the easy ones. Make the short to intermediate throws you should complete. Consistency in terms of taking care of the football. You cannot put your defense in bad positions or even worse, give up defensive scores to the other team and consistently be in the lineup. They cannot handle him going down with some of the nagging injuries that he suffered last year. There's no depth, particularly with Jack Miller out right now with that thumb injury for six weeks. The the backup is Jalen Kitna, John Kitna's son, who has not played a down of college football. That is dangerously thin in the quarterback room. And so the, the issue comes in, like, what do they do offensively in terms of needing to run Anthony Richardson? but asking him to use some of the wisdom when it comes to either stepping out of bounds or sliding and not necessarily taking on tacklers the way he has in the past. As soon as you said, John Kidna's son, I reached for my Walker. Uh, (laughs) What? (laughs) John Kidna's got a son old enough to be at Florida playing football. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. Thanks for that CD. No, (laughs) I, I agree with everything you said. Anthony Richardson is the story here. And there's a reason Emory Jones is now at Arizona State, and it's Anthony Richardson. So I agree, and he can make the plays. We've seen him make them in flashes. It's got to be more consistent. Who's he going to, before we move on, who's he going to throw the football to? Who's going to be the playmakers that he can count on? I mean, I, I think that's the thing that that everybody wants to know. It, it really was a situation where a lot of folks felt like the defense, or excuse me, the, 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 the uh, offensive weapons that that Florida had last year were somewhat limited. Uh, you, you saw them go out into the print transfer portal and get a guy by the name of Ricky Pearsall from Arizona yeah. State. Two years ago, Florida had some some differences offensively because they had a Kyle Pitts at the tight end spot who could do so much. They had a Kadarius Tony who was quick and sudden in the slot, could give him the ball in the jet sweeps. Ricky Pearsall seems to be the contrast to the bigger bodied receivers that the previous staff recruited to. So from all reports and and things that I've heard, he was hurt when I was at practice, but he has been the talk of camp. And I look forward to seeing kind of what he does and emerging as a weapon that Richardson looks to this year. All right. So that's the five games that are top on the slate. We're looking forward to all five of those games. We're going to throw it to big turf though, because there's other action in the sec. 
He's going to go over a little SEC scoreboard. We're going to hit some of the quick thoughts on the games that we didn't have in our top five. You got some directional schools in there, but that's okay. We're going to give some love to those other schools in the SEC. Big Turp, what we got? Yeah, so we're going to rapid fire this thing. I want you to tell me the number one thing you want to see from these remaining teams. And I do not want a five minute explanation. I know you got it. I know you can get into it. (laughs) But I want quick. Who's he looking at there? Is he looking at CD? I'm I'm looking. I'm looking. Actually, long winded. Full full disclosure. I'm looking at my face. We're two and a half years into the Zoom thing, and I still can't do a Zoom without looking right at my own mug. Golly, Um, I mean, just vain. You're so vain, Big Two. Look at this guy. All right, Um, let's start with Texas A&M against Sam Houston. We'll start with CD. What's the number one thing you want to see, learn from, watch with Texas A&M? There's a couple things, but I, I, you know, quarterbacks easy to say, but I'm going to say receivers because remember last year, the wide receivers did not do anything to help Zach Calzada out. They have to go out and and develop some guys that can separate and make plays down the field consistently. They got a freshman that everybody's talking about. Uh, I want to see him in the opener, come out, put on a show and, and, and and show that they're a, a more dynamic group than last year. That would have been one for me, but since you took that, I'll go to the defense. No one's talking about Mike Elko being the head coach at Duke and not the coordinator at Texas A&M. I want to see what that unit, the only return five starters, can be. Mike Elko, one of the best in the country, he's no longer there. You've got DJ Durkin. Let's see what that can do. I think that Mike Elko and that loss is going to be talked about probably more five weeks from now than it is now. Uh, Ole Miss, Troy. Ole Miss, uh, still quarterback questions. Not just questions, but a battle going on still at this point when we're recording ton of new transfers. Uh, Hess, what are you looking for there? Ole Miss. I want to see what Zachary Evans at running back coming over from TCU. Can he be the guy that they've talked about him being? He was one of the darlings of the transfer portal. He was a very highly recruited guy. Can he be the next great back at Ole Miss? Ole Miss has had a really string of nice backs, Ely and Snoop Connor. We can keep going back, but can Zach Evans break in whoever the quarterback is? Because the best friend to a new quarterback is a great running back. It's funny that you mentioned uh we were talking about uh receivers when it comes to uh texas a&m i'm gonna say receivers again because elijah moore was the do-it-all you know for in this offense uh in years past there's a guy by the name of jalen robinson that's transferring from ucf and it's going to be hard to recognize the roster because there's so many different transfer guys you mentioned zach evans you you talk about uh, obviously jackson dart trig uh, so many different players, but Jalen Robinson's the guy that I have my eye on because of of what he is doing in, in the offense and playing that position that we know is going to catch a lot of balls. So I think he, the reports that I've heard that he's uh, uh, looked really good so far in his acclimation to the Lane Kiffin offense. And I think he's going to be a focal point of, of whichever one of those quarterbacks ends up winning that job. Uh, Kentucky hosting Miami of Ohio, a Mac school, legitimate school of uh, bowl games, two of their last three years. Kentucky coming off a 10-win season. Uh, CD, what are you looking for here? Uh, I want to see what the <laughs> – I keep going receivers, but who's the, guy that, <laughs> who's the guy that builds the production from Wandale Robinson? You know, Wandale Robinson caught 103 balls last yeah. year for Kentucky. He was the go-to guy for Will Levis. Uh, you got a new offensive coordinator that uh, probably will build on some of what they did last year. Levis being around for a full offseason, having a chance to, to learn – that offense, but who your quarterback's only as good as the pass catchers. So who is the focal point? Is it one guy or do they spread the ball around? Tavion Robinson's the the transfer that everybody thinks might be that that guy to fill the shoes. But 
it might actually be more of a, a balanced distribution of, of catches to that wide receiver room than it was last year. No, I like that one there. I mean, Wondell Robinson was a transfer himself from Nebraska. And how do you replace a player that talented? You go try to do the same thing. You try to go in the portal and bring someone from Virginia Tech. We'll see if that plays out for Kentucky. I like that one. I, look, I want to go Will Levis here. I want to see if Will Levis can do it for a second year in a row. I believe in Will Levis. But I'm also looking at the defense. I think that linebacker room there in Lexington isn't talked about enough. DeAndre Square, who we caught up with at SEC Media Day. You got Jock Jones, who I think is a very, very skillful player as well. I like the fact that their defensive coordinator turned down other jobs to stay in Lexington, other big-time SEC jobs. He said, I want to build something here. They've got a special unit, I think. It starts at linebacker, and it kind of goes to the defensive line. Will Justin Rogers finally live up to his potential? So, for me, it's looking in the front seven of the Kentucky defense. All right, eventful offseason for uh, Auburn and Brian Harson. They had a QB battle, too, three-way battle. T.J. Finley wins that. They open up with Mercer. Hess, what are you looking for from Auburn? Can Tate Bixby get back to being one of the best backs in the country? Can he be a guy that we know he can be? We've seen it before, right? Last year, the quarterback play probably didn't allow that, right? You had eight-man boxes all over the place, and they dared you to throw it over their head. Well, T.J. Finley can throw it over their head, right? T.J. Finley's got a massive arm. We've seen it at LSU. We've seen it in spurts at Auburn. Can he, Tate Bixby, be the player that we know he can be? Because when he's going, he's as good as anyone in the country, C.D. So can they get him back? kind of on track. He didn't have an awful year last year, but I know there's more in there. He knows there's more in there. I feel like such a homer because I'm not talking about Florida, but I'm talking a lot about wide receivers. And I'm going to continue to talk about wide receivers when it, when it comes to Auburn, because two reasons, you know, one, the receiving production has not been what I think it could have been. They've had really talented wide receivers that I didn't feel like were well coached at a lot of times or put in positions to be successful. Here's where another part of the Homer aspect comes in. My guy, Ike, uh, Ike Hilliard, uh, former teammate of mine at Florida, takes over coaching the wide receivers. I know how we were taught. I know the attention, the detail that our coaches drove home when it came to running routes and playing that position in general. I know that Dwayne Dixon uh, was out there running routes with us, and I can see Ike Hilliard probably doing the same thing. I think this receiving core is going to be a lot better because of the, the fingerprint that Ike Hilliard is going to put on that room. And so I, I think they'll be more developed at the pass-catching position to help out the, the, the quarterback, T.J. Finley, as you mentioned. Georgia State, South Carolina. I know what I'm looking for this game. Chris Doring on the call for <laughs> ESPN Plus, SEC Network Plus. Uh, but what are you actually looking for from the Gamecocks in this one, CD? I think this is the, this is the, the lowest hanging fruit possible, but I think we're all – it's the story of the offseason. Spencer Rattler choosing yeah. Columbia, South Carolina to continue his college football career. This time last year, Hester, he was the most talked about player in college football. The odds on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And by the end of the year, he was on the bench and in the transfer portal. This is an opportunity to not only help this year's South Carolina team, but a chance to, to, to yeah. help generations of South Carolina football teams by saying, hey, this is a legitimate place to come play football in the SEC to not only refine your skills, but to, to potentially wait for win a championship. Like this legitimizes the, the South Carolina yep. program for future transfers and certainly for high school kids coming out of, coming out of their, uh, their high school career. There's nothing else I can say. There's no other position I can say because last year you had Luke Doty, who played receiver the year before. You had Jason Brown, who was playing at an FCS school. You had, let's see, you had Zeb Nolan. Luke, oh, Zeb. You had Zeb Nolan. 
you had a GA, you had a coach, you had a coach that in the summertime, you're like, Hey, um, wow. I like the way you're warming up with the quarterbacks. You can spin it. You played last year. You want to come play quarterback. And you also had a receiver playing the bowl game. Now, Joyner was fantastic in the bowl game, but that's what you had. Okay. So a receiver, a former receiver, an FCS transfer in a literal coach. That was your quarterback room last year. Now you've got Spencer Rattler. Go back and look at the numbers, CD. They were not as bad as people say last year. He was over 70% completion uh, percentage at Oklahoma last 15 year. 15-2 as, as a starter at Oklahoma in his career. 70% completion percentage. You went from four different guys that you detailed to now one of the guys that was uh, supposed to win the Heisman last year. Yeah. I think I feel – you know who I'm happiest for? Offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. The guy was much maligned for last year's production. He had to play with both hands tied behind his back, and somehow still they were able to win seven ball games. I think he's going to have he, he's going to have some retribution this year, and it's going to be a big chip on the shoulder for Spencer Rattler. And let's see how he comes out and fires it in game one. All right, last one here: Alabama forty-one and a half point favorite over Utah State. Jordan Love ain't walking through that door. Um, what do you want to see from the tide here? Number one, Alabama Crimson Tide national champion favorites, depending where you're looking. What do you want to see? Should I continue the trend? I mean, it's got, I got yeah, let's talk about Bring receivers here. I mean, yeah, we, we got a whole new group. Jermaine Burton comes in from Georgia, gives you the veteran experience in the conference. Kobe Prentice is probably the most talked about player from the Alabama camp this preseason. I want to see what he does. The first freshman to start at Alabama, uh, since, um, they had a pretty good one by the name of any guesses. Julio Jones, the last guy to start oh, for, wow. for the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. There's so many, there's so many receivers. I'm like, surely like one of the 37 first round picks was. But they, you know what they've had? They've had the next round, the guys that have come in and played as backups that have worked into being starters. They didn't have they, that room was completely yeah. devoid of of talent. You know, uh, not talent, but experienced talent. Right. And so they went out and got Burton. They they they've developed some young guys. Um. So I I am excited to see how that group does in helping out the effort of Bryce Young, you know, because you're only as good as your, your guys catching catching your passes. So they can right now establish themselves as legitimate uh, group of, of receivers that we come to expect Alabama to have. I want to see the portal guys. You mentioned one of them, Jermaine Burden. I want to see Tyler Harrell, who's an absolute burner from Louisville. I want to see Jameer Gibbs, who was somebody that at Georgia Tech, you just felt like, man, if he could just be on a team that had other dudes like him and all the focus wasn't on him. I want to see... If, if guys like Tyler Steen, by the way, like, dude, you, did you really have to go steal Vanderbilt's best player, Alabama? <laughs> yeah, that feels seems, like a little rude, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, Tyler Steen's out there, left tackle, like, yeah, we'll take him. So you go and you take Vanderbilt's best player. Alabama can be very selective in the portal. They were this year. They went and got some premium players to really just plug and play. I think it's going to work out very nicely for them. I want to see Jermaine Burton with a quarterback that can push the ball down the field. He needs to be all in, though. He needs to be balled in. We need to see him fully locked in for the full season and not just in spurts. So, for me, I want to see the portal guys for Alabama. I'm going to take over real quick here, Big Turp. I'm going to drive the ship for a second. I got three questions I want to ask you. Rapid fire. Let's talk about what's the SEC at the end of the weekend win-loss record. 14 games on the books. What do they finish? Mm. 12 and 2. 12 and 2. And one. I'm going 12 and 2 as well. 13 and 1 is your answer, Big Turp. I'm going yeah, where, where's, where's the second loss? 
No offense. No, I'm oh. not, I, don't, I don't need to say the first one. Oh. Uh, you're going. You're that confident about Utah winning? Oh, wow. huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Right, I don't. I, I, here, that, let's actually. This is going to play into my next question, guys. Who should be on upset alert this week? Okay, so floor is already a dog. Um, upset alert. That one's tough. I've got one that stands out. You want me to go? I'll let you buy some time to think here. It's South Carolina. We just talked about them. Georgia State comes in. And think about Georgia State, right? Their head coach is Sean Elliott, who used to yeah. coach at South Carolina, who's from South Carolina, who knows Shane Beamer very well. And, oh, by the way, 2019, they went into Knoxville and knocked off the, the Tennessee Vols early in that season. Went toe-to-toe until a late miracle comeback from Auburn last year yeah. in, in, on the Plains. They are not intimidated at all by the SEC. And, oh, by the way, they have a lot of SEC talent that transferred from this conference. Those guys are going to play with a chip on their shoulder. The roster is made up of a ton of South Carolina kids. They're going to go in there and play toe-to-toe with the Gamecocks. So the, the Gamecocks better be ready for a four-quarter battle. Yeah, most wins in Georgia State history, I believe, last year. At least since they joined did they, since they joined the FBS or since they've been a program. I know they're kind of a, a new program, so they had their most successful year, I think, last year. Back-to-back bowl seasons, by yeah. the way, return 18 starters. And over the last three years, they've been amongst the top 10 in rushing the football. So they know who they're going to be. They have a veteran quarterback. They put pressure on the defense with what they do with the option game, the read, the, the, the zone read stuff, the RPO. And, and I think it's going to be a challenge for Shane Beamer's squad on Saturday night. You got one? I think I'm going to go Cincinnati over Arkansas be my upset special. I think if I had to choose, like, one of these underdogs that's coming to an SEC stadium, I think it'd have to be Cincinnati. I mean, I know what they lost. They made the CFP last year, though. Yeah. Luke Fickle stayed there when there was jobs like Notre Dame, Florida, LSU, USC were open. He wanted to be at Cincinnati. So I'll go Cincinnati, Arkansas. Arkansas needs to be on upset alert. Big Terp, you got one? It's, it's a lot of points, but I think Memphis, Mississippi. I mean, one, I just think 16 is too many points. But it, you, you're in Starkville, which is nice. But this is a Memphis team that I think they return a lot. And you have the luxury of having done it last year. So yeah. you're coming in. A team you beat last year, you're, you're looking at everybody saying, oh, 16 points. This Mississippi State team is SEC ready to take a step forward. Could challenge Alabama. I, I, I think I think a lot of people have just completely overlooked Memphis. And I think one, 16 is too many. But I think it could be straight up upset alert but i'm All still right. taking bull, bulldogs final question here let's make our heisman prediction before the season gets going jacob hester who's your guy let's go will anderson let's go defensive guy you copied off my paper you went i i had i had will anderson too and for all the reasons like the guy probably could have and should have won it last I think year should have won it last year and i think people realized that ah man we we probably could have gone with him or bryce Bryce won it last year. If it's close, we're going with Will Anderson. The the visibility was raised considerably because of the, the fact that he didn't win it last year. Right. So I, I think it could be him. And if not him, Dark Horse is a guy you mentioned earlier. Jameer Gibbs, the Georgia Tech yeah. transfer at running back. He gives you explosiveness, but he's also a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. Can you think about all the all-purpose yards and touchdowns he has the potential of putting up? as really the bell cow back in that offense. Yeah. I think that's a guy to keep your eye on as well. Maybe worth putting a few ducats on for okay. the, uh, the odds you're able to pull. Well, so Bama's got three of the top 10 in just straight up <laughs> odds. Uh, I asked this a few weeks ago, over under one and a half Alabama guys go to New York. Do they eat away at each other's votes or do you think we get two in New York? 
It's so hard to tell because the number who gets invited is fluid every yeah, single year, right? right. It's not like yeah. there's always five. Not a set number, yeah. So, um, golly, over one. Uh, I think yeah, they're both. They'll, they'll both be there. Uh, yeah, I'll go over one and a half. Yeah, they'll both be there. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, since it, who, who are you going, Big Turp? You got anyone? Um, I mean, it, you got to pick between the outright favorite CJ Stroud or the repeat winner Bryce Young, and I feel like that. Like, there's been one repeat winner ever. When's the last time the outright favorite won? I think the 17 outright, years, I think. was it 17? I still think CJ Stroud's more likely than a repeat winner. So I'm between CJ and Will Anderson, but I'm not tripling up on, on Will Anderson here. So I'm going, <laughs> I'm going CJ Stroud. All, All right. right. That's fair enough. Okay. So it is week one coming up. We need to quickly give you our favorite team win totals. We've got it here in the chat. CD, I'm going to go because I've been looking at this all show long. You're going to steal it going. again. I'm going to steal all your picks here. Yeah. I am we, going we think to so go. much along the same line. We probably should do a podcast with people that don't agree with us, but <laughs> you and I end up saying, oh man, I completely agree yeah. far too much. I know. I know. All right. I'm going over Vanderbilt two and a half. That, I'm that going, by the way, we, we were both on that one. And we're, yeah. I mean, think about this. They got Elon this week. It, mm -hmm. it, chance to chance to get two of those. Wake Forest without eight. Sam Hartman. I mean, uh, I, I mean, you know, let's uh, see. I like Let's it. see. So I like Vanderbilt over two and a half. I okay. like South Carolina over six. I Ooh. like Kentucky over eight. And I like Mississippi State over six and a half. Uh, I think we're along the same lines. Kentucky, as everyone out there by now knows, was my selection to go 11 and one this year to upset Georgia on November 19th in Lexington. So obviously I'm putting money on the cats there. I'm with you on Mississippi State. I feel like despite the, the difficulty of the schedule, six and a half, Wins is just too low for a team that I expect to take a big step forward. And finally, I'm going with your LSU Tigers. I believe in Brian Kelly after being with him twice this offseason mm -hmm. and feeling the command and leadership that he has by just sitting in his presence. There's talent in that locker room. The problem was the locker room was so divided the last two seasons. They haven't been able to play together. I think he brings those guys together. I think they play more to their potential. And I think they easily surpass that six and a half, seven win total. Uh, that that the uh, Vegas folks have had posted this offseason. Yeah, I, I I mean I agree with you. I think when you look at this talent, when you look at this coaching staff, I mean six and a half almost feels disrespectful. So even at seven, that's not a bad one either. All right, that's some of our favorite team win totals. Remember, we are going to depending on what kind of night CD had in Charlotte, give you our best bets either Friday night or Saturday morning. You can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at pregaming the SEC. We are going to actually have this show up on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, like, subscribe, do all the bells and whistles, all the things that's going to give you a notification whenever we throw a new episode on. We are excited to be back. It is season two of pregaming the SEC brought to you by Walk-Ons Sports Bistro. There's going to be so much more content coming. Like we consider this a quick show is 54 minutes <laughs> for us. This is a quick one. We're used to an hour and 34 minutes, but CD can't hide money. Got to get his suit game right. He's got it right. He's going to be looking good on the call, and we're all looking forward to it. Fellas, always a pleasure. Glad we're back. Hey, how about this, boys? Merry Christmas Eve. So happy to be here with you. College football week one is always a special feeling and gets those uh, juices flowing, man, and it doesn't feel any different this year. All right, let's go Tigers. Let's go Gators. Let's go Terps. We'll throw that in there as well. SEC. Let's go SEC. SEC. That's exactly right. We'll see you next week on pre-gaming the SEC.